Hello and welcome to the Tennessee World Affairs Council, Council's Global Nashville Program. I'm your host, Carl Dean, and today we are uh, pleased to talk with Andy Motes, uh, Pinnacle's uh, Financial Partners Executive Vice President, where he also serves as Director of Music, Sports, and Entertainment, and we'll be talking about how those areas of Pinnacle's business interact with Nashville as a global city. First, let me thank Pinnacle for support um, to the World Affairs Council as a strong corporate member. Andy is a Nashville native and a uh, Vanderbilt grad. He took time in 2000 to pursue his passion for music, touring and supporting a multi-platinum rock band. And we'll hear more about that later. <laughs> his days performing may be over, but his passion for music has helped to grow one of the largest music and entertainment focused banks in the country. In 2001, Andy began his banking career at Union Planners Bank, then turned Regions Bank, rising to the role of commercial real estate credit manager with credit responsibilities for the bank's real estate loan activity in the Southeast. While working in banking, Andy has, was heavily involved in his family's NASCAR business Bruco Motorsports, and various family restaurants companies. In 2006, Andy co-founded what, what would become Avenue Bank and worked as a member of the bank's executive team, serving as chief uh, credit officer and bank group director. The team took Avenue Bank public in 2015. A year later, Avenue Bank merged with Nashville-based Pinnacle Financial Partners to form one of the top 50 largest banks in the United States. Andy joined the leadership team of Pinnacle following the merger, and he serves in the role of Executive Vice President, Director of Music, Sports, and Entertainment. Andy develops and manages $2 billion in entertainment-related accounts with clients, including artists, songwriters, international label and publishing businesses, touring, um, athletes, professional sports franchises, among others. Outside of banking, Andy is a founder and partner of the Music City Grand Prix, an indie car race televised in over 180 countries, attracting over 100,000 fans each year. Andy is involved in numerous community activities, and you can see some of these in the program notes. Um, Andy Motes, thanks for taking time um, to, to come and talk about music, entertainment, and sports in Nashville as a uh, global city. Um, so let's let's get into it. First, let's let me ask you about the band and and your ties to music. How do how do you go from working with a uh, a rock band to becoming a banker? Man, I don't know. That's that's probably not a normal path, is it? Um, I, I grew up in Nashville. I love music. Um, been a drummer my whole life. Uh, truthfully, not a very good one, but um, I was lucky enough to play in several bands through high school and college and and actually befriended a, a, a kind of hero of mine at the time who, who was a drummer of a, a big 80s rock band by the name of Cinderella and got out of Vanderbilt in 99 and, and Fred said hop on the bus, uh, which I did uh, for the better part of, of two summers and and was really fortunate to to be around friends to see the country but but to really learn the music business through an artist's eyes first and and from a bus and and what it means and um you know I, I really owe all of what we've done in this space to to some of those early experiences 
So you that that was the summers in between uh, your time at the academic year at Vanderbilt. Uh, it was right after I got out of Vanderbilt. So okay, that's right. Yep. And then you, how did you make the transition to banking? Um, you know, I, I wanted to um, to do something entrepreneurial eventually, and 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 did uh, in, in banking. Um, but um, at the time, I wanted to learn a little bit about everything. I grew up in a pretty entrepreneurial family. Had a father that uh, worked at First American years ago. For those that remember First American, and um, was running a company called Metropolitan Federal Savings and Loan. So it was kind of in my blood, and and I thought um, it'd be a good way to. Uh, to learn a little bit about everything and, and figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And nearly 25 years later, I'm still in banking. Okay. And you, did you, you went to work eventually with Avenue bank? Yeah, that's right. So um, I spent some time um, at union planners, regions bank um, through my uh, mid twenties um, and was working for uh, an individual named Ron Samuels. I'm sure, sure, you know, Ron, uh, most yep. civilians do. And, was really, really lucky to uh, to be able to call him a friend, a partner, and certainly one of my mentors. And so 2006, um, some will recall, uh, a merger was announced between uh, Regions and AmSouth. And I was on the uh, the Regions management team. Uh, AmSouth really kind of had the dominant market share in Nashville at the time. And so uh, it, the writing was on the wall that while, while Regions in name, it was really going to be, at least locally, AmSouth and management. And so um, along with Ron and um, uh, Kent Cleaver and Barb Zapirian, who were the other uh, executives of Avenue, um, we put a small team together in late 2006, started writing a business plan and, and decided to, uh, to start a bank, uh, which, which would become uh, Avenue by the time we were capitalized in early 2007. Yeah, well, I, I do know Ron, of course, uh, did a lot of work with him on the convention center right. project. Um, and I recall when the bank was when the bank opened, and um, basically I, I came into office as mayor in 07. And then um, you'll remember this as much as I do that uh, you know 07, 08, 09, we go into this incredibly deep recession. Yeah. Um, and, and you're out here as an entrepreneur, entrepreneur starting a new bank. How how were those years? Man, it's it's a good question. Um, they were scary for sure. Um, you didn't didn't know what would happen one week to the next. But if you think about it, we were formed out of the disruption of, of a merger between two banks, and all of a sudden the entire banking environment was disrupted at once. Um, we didn't have any bad loans because we hadn't made any loans, and we had fresh capital. Um, we had just raised seventy five million dollars February or March of '07. I think maybe it was March or April, the, the world learned what subprime lending was. And so right. we were off to the races there. But we have fresh capital, no problem loans. Our issue was we had a lot of overhead and, and we needed to get to a certain size just to break even and not bleed to death. Uh, for us at the time, that was probably three or 400 million in assets. So when the rest of the world was was kind of uh, retreating and playing defense, um, Avenue really had to play offense. Um, and the truth was, it ended up being a really good thing for us. Uh, there, there were clients disrupted in, in banks throughout the city, um, and, and we had the benefit of knowing what the current economic environment was like and kind of structuring and making loans. So uh, there were a lot of sleepless nights, but honestly, probably ended up positive in the grand scheme of things. All right. Why um, did you see 
Nashville as a good place to start a bank? I mean, what what, what was the climate or what, what was the appeal of uh, going out on the limb uh, with a new bank? Yeah, well, it, I mean, we, we knew we had clients that were loyal to us and, and people like Ron were, were really not just the face of the banking community, but a face of the Nashville community. And so we knew we had an opportunity um, when we raised our, our initial capital to 75 million, it, it was about half raised locally. Um, so, you know, individuals that you would know here and, and the benefit of raising your money locally is that they become clients. They really drive your strategy and your business plan. The other half was raised institutionally. And um, most of that came from New York area, the Northeast. And institutional investors provide you a significant amount of capital and, and really kind of drive your valuation just by their being in your transaction. And so as we went uh, to New York and began to raise this money, a few things were clear. Number one, uh, Ron and, and, um, and team had a really good reputation. Uh, these institutional banking investors, they see a lot of opportunities and, and it was clear that under his leadership, you know, management was solid. Um, number two, Nashville. I mean, the Southeast was hot. Nashville was hot. It was the political environment, um, not just because you were in office at that time, but uh, it certainly was something that, that the national radar was watching. Uh, it was a growing market. And, and if you're going to invest in a bank, you, you want to invest where you can not only take market share, but the market itself is growing. And so yeah. there, there were a lot of investors that, that wanted to invest in Nashville in some way. And then I'd say thirdly, um, you know, Avenue was started as, as a bank for Nashville, for Middle Tennessee, uh, but specifically had this focus on music. And if if you go to New York and you start knocking on doors and you say, I want to I want to raise some money and start a bank. A lot of people have heard that a lot of times, but what they hadn't heard was, oh, and by the way, we're going to be a music bank. Um, and, and what does that mean? And that really perked up a lot of the investor community and Anytime you have a chance to kind of compete with knowledge and understanding instead of risk and pricing, uh, it creates a real strategic advantage. And we were able to raise a significant amount of capital kind of behind behind those three pillars. Right. It's been your area of, I guess, specialization. But how would you define what is a music bank? How, how is how is Avenue different and how is what you're providing that pinnacle different than other banks? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, first of all, we're, we're a senior lender. So we're, we're not an investor. We, we make loans and, and we we hold deposits and kind of all the ancillary business that comes with, with a traditional bank. Um, there are five or six real music banks in the United States. So it, it is a very, very small niche. Um, but, you know, you have to be really kind of right brain, left brain. There, there's there's a different vocabulary, not so different than, you know, commercial real estate, where you might be talking about um, net operating income and, you know, loan to values and cap rates. And in music, you might be talking about NPS, meaning net publisher share, NLS, meaning net, net label share. Uh, you have to understand how these artist contracts work and and uh, how and when songwriters sell their catalogs. And so it's really kind of a knowledge and understanding. And then for the most part, applying, you know, your basic standard banking tools and products into that business. Yeah. Um, how do you see, in terms of, you know, you think of the music industry, we always think of Los Angeles, Nashville, and New York. I mean, is is Nashville in terms of the banking services or financial services available within the city? Are, are we are we right to put ourselves up there with uh, the other two cities? 
A hundred percent. If if not at the top of that list, and I'd even take it a step further and talk London and other international markets. Um, you know, when you go to New York, which is kind of the, the finance capital of the world, if you're a typical Nashville banker knocking on a door saying, you know, I'm here and I want your banking business, quite honestly, they don't really need you. They they have some of the most talented people on the planet living and working in that city. But for some reason, when you knock on the door in New York and say, you know, I'm a music banker and I'm here to help, the door swings wide open for you. There's just not that many of us. Um, of the, you know, five, six, seven kind of music banks in the United States, quite honestly, the world, um, at least half of those are, are here in Nashville. So we've, we've really become, in terms of senior debt, uh, one of the music capitals, uh, uh, the, the music finance finance businesses, you know, uh, centers of influence for sure. Yeah. Well, what do you think makes Nashville different than the other cities, London, New York, L.A.? Yeah, it, it, in terms of the music business itself, um, when I'm in LA, I, I find it really competitive. You know, if you're an artist, I'm an artist. I want to beat you. You want to beat me. In Nashville, and I think this is the spirit of Nashville as a whole, I find it extremely collaborative. Uh, we, we think of the big artists that live here, um, certainly the country music scene, Christian music scene, and, and all the other genres that have been attracted to, to Nashville. But at its core, we're really a songwriter town. And and songs in, in Nashville, and for the most part, are co-written. doesn't matter if I'm on one publisher and you're on the other. We get in a room and we, we write a song together and we try to write the best song we can. And so the, the creative community in Nashville, I think, feeds off of that songwriter community that that inherently works together and it just creates a really attractive comfortable place to to create art and do business mm -hmm. uh, and is there much uh, you mentioned london um does the national banking industry play a part in music finance that um is overseas or global yeah it does uh we have we have more commercial, meaning kind of record label and music publisher clients in, in London than we even do in Nashville. So we've been companies in Amsterdam, London, Toronto, obviously New York, LA, Nashville. Uh, I was on the, the, the phone with a, a company in Sweden last week. Um, and then when you, when I say bank, often we're, we're lending against what we call song catalogs, music catalogs, um, a, a portfolio of songs that, that, that earn royalty streams. And those are coming from anywhere around the world. So our collateral can be a, a Latin music catalog, French music catalog. It can be rock. It can be country, the health and wellness music to, you know, some of the most iconic artists on the planet. We're, we're involved in most transactions that, that you hear about that, that make the Wall Street Journal. But it's a very international business. Um, there really aren't any geographic boundaries to what we do. You're, you're, you're in the music business or you're not. Yeah. Um talking about music catalogs, I think probably from the casual observer of the music business, probably the thing we've read about the most in the Wall Street Journal or, or other papers is people selling their, their catalogs. Right. Uh, what's behind all that? Well, how has that suddenly become every, you know, every few months you hear another, you know, huge number where an artist has or songwriter sold their, their catalog. Yeah, they, they are big numbers. Um, it really, I mean, better be lucky than good, but it really started happening around the same time we were starting Avenue. Um, we're, we're in a recession. Interest rates are very low. 
and investors are looking for uh, uncorrelated investments to make. And, and when I say uncorrelated, meaning uncorrelated to the greater macroeconomic environment. And coming out of the Great Recession, it turns out that, that music royalties held up really strongly, especially compared to something like the housing market. Uh, and not only that, um, they they really started to look like an annuity, like a, a, a long-term income stream. And so you started to see the early days of, of private equity and institutional investors um, develop this asset class, if you will. And uh, they, they found higher yielding, uncorrelated uh, annuity-like returns, um, say compared to like pharmaceutical royalties or something like that, that, that would be mm -hmm. similar in a way. And we started to see institutional money really kind of pour in, into the space. You layer on top of that, um, really the, the advent of streaming. And if you think about the recorded music business, we used to sell something. So you sold as many CDs as you could. And once you sold them, the, the buyer of that CD got to listen to that music you know, for free, if you will, from that day forward. So it was all about new releases. That's where all the cash was. Um, but we switched from a sales model to, to a consumption model. And, and while there's not this influx of cash up front that there might have been in, in the CD and even download days, um, we're, we're now monetizing the consumption of music. And it created this real long tail, this annuity. Right. So you, you kind of take, take streaming and the recession and, and uh, uh, the resiliency of, of music royalties and, and you, you pique the interest of uh, private equity and pension funds and family offices around the world. And then we really watched and, and rode alongside a, a growing asset class. So um, at some point we come out of the recession and Avenue um, merges with Pinnacle. Right. What, what was it? What's the motivation there? And, and, and what, what, what does Pinnacle bring to, to your work? So, yeah, you're right. 2015, we're kind of coming out of the recession. My partners and I hit the road, um, take Avenue public on the NASDAQ, raise oh, a little more capital. And about 12 months later, we're, we're merging with Pinnacle. Um, first of all, it's been great. Um, Pinnacle was our, our biggest competitor outside of music. They didn't have a big music presence, but often if it came down to, um, to winning a, a new client or, or, um, a loan facility transaction of some sort, it was often an avenue or pinnacle. So it was clearly one of those better together than apart sort of um, opportunities. Uh, and it was a really similar story. I mean, homegrown bank, pinnacle was formed out of the disruption of AmSouth and First American. Avenue was formed out of the disruption of AmSouth and Regions. So our stories were, were similar. Pinnacle had a bit of a head start. Um, you merge the two together. First of all, I've never seen um, uh, so much banking talent at, at one company uh, before in nearly 25 years of doing this. I mean, Pinnacle has really, really good people, uh, but they had some size and sophistication that as an earlier company, um, we, we didn't have at Avenue and, and particularly a, a, a larger balance sheet. So by being able to, to make larger loans, we could really compete on an international level uh, working with these intellectual property secured um, opportunities. And at Avenue, I think we had the knowledge and, and we, we had um, the connections and the clients, but we couldn't write the checks. And once we got to Pinnacle, that balance sheet really unlocked our ability to, to play on an international scale. Yeah. And so you work, your title now, you work as director of music, entertainment, sports. And so that remains sort of your area of concentration. 
It does. I mean, it, it almost operates like a bank within the bank. Um, Rob McCabe is is uh, is my boss, and I'm super fortunate to to work for Ron Samuels and now Rob McCabe. It, it doesn't get better than that. And uh, when when a group's doing a good job, he lets them do what they do best. And so we really, on the music side, do two things. Um, we manage over 8,000 accounts for artists and songwriters and managers and agents and um, athletes and coaches. So it's, it's the private banking side of our business. And it's everything from a baby band you've never heard of to some of the world's most iconic artists um, interact with us on a daily basis for their, for their daily uh daily banking needs. Uh, and then the other side of it is, is this intellectual property finance side. And so last year alone, we made nearly a billion dollars of new loan commitments, um, you know, backed by music catalog uh, to, to make us one of the larger players in the world in, in those efforts. Do you, um, how do you see Nashville developing as in terms of film and TV? Um, I know back, I mean, it's been sort of a, like steady progress, but do you see that? Where do you see that going? Yeah, so I'm fortunate enough to serve on the governor's Tennessee Entertainment Commission, which is is led by a guy named Bob Rains. Bob does a really good job, and so we kind of live and breathe, you know, film and TV throughout the state. Um, it's come a long way. Uh, first of all, there's a real want to be here. Um, all things being equal, I think you would see a lot of content filmed in, in Nashville and and in the state. Um, Historically, our, our kind of grant programs, the incentives that we would provide productions have, have lagged behind, but there's been some recent changes there that are starting to attract uh, some, some larger productions. I think Nicole Kidman's filming a, a film as we speak right now with a pretty substantial budget in, in Nashville. And we also lacked the, the facilities, but even that's kind of coming along. We're starting to see some, some film and TV studios pop up. Um, Dolly's manager, uh, Danny Nozell's built a couple. There's a group called, called Worldwide Stages out in Spring Hill that uh, they've done some filming out there. So I, I think we have the creative community. I think we're starting to get some horsepower behind us from the state to kind of help with the incentives we need. We have the talent um, and, and then, you know, the, the frontline talent, your, your Reese's and Nicole Kidman's and, and Dolly's. Um, they want to be here. This is home. And, and uh, if they want to film here, then it's going to be filmed here. So uh, quite honestly, I, I hope the moniker Music City one day is is too limiting to describe our creative community here, um, because I, I do believe we will be much more than music and are headed that way. Right. And then sports. Um, where, where are we where are we heading there, you think? Or Man, as, 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 well, as a city, of course, you, you know the teams that are already here, and, and there's some efforts to bring some more professional franchises uh, to Nashville. Um, we work with athletes and coaches, and they could be New York Giant one day and, you know, uh, Los Angeles Rams the next. So our clients are, are all throughout the United States. Um, we're the official bank of the Tennessee Titans. We're the official bank of the, the Memphis Grizzlies. So um, proud to work closely with the Titans and what they're doing in terms of, of uh, a new stadium and, and what that will mean in terms of um, not just football, but uh, the sorts of events that, that we as a city will be able to host. Um, so it's a, it's a really fascinating business. I think everybody wants to be in Nashville and, and we have clients in every league and every major city and uh, they're really jealous of what we have going on here. Yeah. Um, 
as a founding um, partner of the Grand Prix uh, for Nashville, how where how is how is uh, how is that going now, and where do you see that going? Man, so I guess we year three we just concluded this August. Um, that that was a that was a long process, and so. Um, my my family, my dad was a, a an owner in a NASCAR team for many years. After he uh, sold a restaurant company he had started, we were we were NASCAR sponsors, and my dad and brother and I um, really missed going to the track. And so we kind of got into the racing business and and uh, and loved that. Uh, it kind of gets in your blood. It, it it follows you. If if you're a race guy, you're a race guy. And um, an individual named Matt Cruz, who's the CEO of the the uh, Big Machine Music City Grand Prix, um, worked for our family's NASCAR team, and and we started having conversations probably when you were in office. I mean, I think this is yeah. ten years in the making. Um, I know we went went through multiple mayors before we finally got this thing done, uh, and. It's been a great success. Um, this is televised, I think, in over 200 countries now um, at any point in time. Uh, it's the only race that, that goes over a substantial body of water. So we had this goal to kind of make a bridge famous, if you will. And, and it's hard to not look at that bridge and, and not picture Indy cars going across it. And it attracts you know, 100,000 plus fans every weekend from all 50 states and multiple countries around the world. Um, this next year, we were proud to announce that it will become the uh, the series finale. So IndyCar is a 16 race um, uh, schedule, I believe. Uh, the, the most well-known race would be the Indy 500. And, and now really second only to that will be Nashville because it will be race 16 out of 16. Uh, the championship will be here. All eyes will be on Nashville for that weekend. Uh, the series champion will be crowned uh, in September of next year. So it's been a great success, but it's really just getting started. Well, that's great. Um, if looking at Nashville right now, and particularly in terms of music, is there anything that you think we should be doing? Are we missing anything at this point? Or it's a good question. I, I mean, you know, the creative community is is really strong here. Um, the business community uh, is also well rooted. There's, there's probably a few things that we're not in terms of music, and it's just a handful of things. Um, one, I would say um, growing, incubating, recruiting music tech businesses will be important, continually important in the future. Um, you think of Los Angeles and what they do in terms of creating film, and then you think of you know what Silicon Valley does in terms of distributing it. Uh, we, we really need to be a home for, for more music tech businesses. Um, the EC is doing a really nice job with that in terms of project music. And if you really start looking out there, there's a lot of really interesting early stage music music tech companies that are being developed uh, in, in Nashville that, that will have an international impact. Um, secondly, I, I would just say that the kind of equity side of the business, as much as we're a world leader in terms of senior debt finance, you generally have to go raise your equity from somewhere else. Um, so that's, that's private equity in general. Um, mm -hmm. it would be nice to see, uh, more homegrown substantial funds, especially investing in, in some of these catalogs so that we're not looking to, uh, to other international markets in New York and Chicago and the likes, uh, for, for investment dollars. Um, but that's really it. Um, it, it's all here. Uh, there's no reason 
Nashville shouldn't shouldn't be the equity investor into this space as as much as it is the the debt provider. And I think you'll see more and more successes on on the music tech front. So I, I'd watch out for those two things. Great. Well, thank you. Um, we've been talking with Andy Modes at Pinnacle Financial Partners, where he serves as Executive Vice President, Director of Music, Sports, and Entertainment. And thank you, Andy, for taking the time to do this. I enjoyed uh, our conversation. And thanks to Pinnacle Financial Partners for um, helping make global affairs uh, programming possible by the World Affairs Council. Uh, you, you all have been um, wonderful members. Thank you. And um, let me thank all the viewers for watching this program today. And let me encourage you to go to tnwac10wac.org to join the World Affairs Council and participate in our events. We have um, speakers and other events all the time, a lot of things online, and I encourage you to join. I encourage you to participate. So again, Andy, thanks, and uh, have a good day. Thank you, Carl. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody.